0: You can be seated. Kids church, you guys can start to make your way out. The side door, parents, feel free to walk them next door if you want to see where they're heading and where to pick them up from afterwards. And while they're walking out, church, you guys can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter eight. Mark chapter eight, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles on the back table. We also have the verses on the screen and I also want to encourage you to grab one of these nifty bulletins in the back if you've got a spot where there's, you know, you can write out some verses, the references to maybe go back and read them later. It's got some announcements and just some things that are going on that Miss Christie works really hard on for us and so I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful for her. So I want to encourage you to grab one of those if you haven't already on the magazine rack in the back. We always encourage you to write things down, not because of all the things that I say are just super smart or intellectual, but it just, when we're writing or highlighting, it kind of puts us into the space of a student where we're not learning necessarily from me, but from the Holy God that speaks through his word. And so it's just a good posture for us to be in. So Mark chapter eight, verse 22, let's read that together. It says, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, "Do you see anything?" And he, the man, looked up and said, "I see people, but they look like trees walking." Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly and he sent him to his home saying jesus saying do not even enter the village church let's pray one more time as we just dive into God's word father god lord let us hear these words the way they intended they're intended to be heard lord not through our own lenses or our own preferences but in the way that you've delivered them to us Father God, I just pray that whatever distractions, whatever uh, distress, whatever shame or guilt we've come in with, Lord, that you call us to lay those things at your feet, Lord, so that you can help us to bear those burdens and to show us and lead us and how to navigate. So church, this morning we continue in this study that we started uh, at the beginning of the Lent season. Uh, if you don't know what the Lent season is, it's this season in the church historically that um, that begins on Ash Wednesday and kind of carries us through till Easter time. And, uh, and, and what the Lent season really is about, you know, in different church circles you've probably talked about this or seen this, what the Lent season is specifically about is it is about reconnection. It's about refocus. It's about kind of reestablishing this vision about who God is and what God does. You know, and and for all of us, like we talked about in our prayer, whether we've experienced God for years and years and years or whether God's a new concept to us, uh, there's a space within this conversation for all of us to kind of see. Who it is that God is speaking to, what God's intentions are, when He when when we have this revealed word. You know, we talked about, we talk about the Bible, and this is the basis at which everything that we speak of, um, not because the people who transcribed it were perfect, but because of the revealed word that God gives to us is perfect. In a sense of that God is communicating to us through a through a book that has lasted hundreds and thousands of years and has come to us speaking the same truth that it did then in a relatable way, in a relevant way to us you know and, and thinking about this book you know and, and I just you know when me and Garen when we're talking and we're praying you know we always want everything that we do to, to leap from here you know not from here, not from here because I don't know about you but, but my mind is distracted at times right? My mind is faulty and, you know, you may be better than me and not have things that go through your mind that, that, that you have trouble, ca- you know, the Bible talks about capturing that thought because our thoughts are just wicked sometimes and they're just off base and, and, you know, and so there's these things within us that draw us away, but God's word is that consistent thing that we can lean back on and that if we as the church cannot take it and pervert it to something that fits this cultural context we live in, but use it as this tool that guides us, that leads us to be better in the space in which. God has given us, because that's what God intends for us. When God saves us, He intends to use and utilize us within the context of where we live in our marriages, in our jobs, in our parenting, in our friendships, in all of these spaces that we live in. He intends to use God His Word to help us to navigate those spaces. And so during this Lenten season leading up to Easter, what we've committed to is praying through asking God, fix my sight, help me to see things the way that they need to be seen and the way in which God deals with me and the way that the church fits into all that and all its brokenness and all the ways that the church fails. How do we still step into those spaces honestly and openly and allow God to navigate us into the spa- spaces at which he has for us? And how can God better utilize me in a sense of how can I begin stepping in obedience with what he has for me? And so the text that we're in, This morning, as we see, it's another opportunity at which God restores sight, at which God restores sight. And so it's very similar to our one last week, but there's something different about this experience. There's something different about this story of restored sight that's different than the others. And I think what it does is it reveals to us three things this morning that God does, that God, I believe in what Jesus is trying to help us kind of refocus, bring clarity to in our lives, some things that I think as as Christians or just even as human beings grasping for some sense of like direction or, or importance in the world, that that God is intending to clarify for us, to call us in a, a prayerful state at which we lean into to begin to ask and see these things for what they are. And so there's three aspects of this story that I think are just so just just Huge parts of our story as, as human beings in navigating a Christian, uh, the Christian world that, the, or the Christian life that we live, or, 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 or from the outside, as maybe if, if you're here and you're not, wouldn't call yourself a Christian. This world that God invites us into. You know, we talk about this table. You know, we talk about this all the time that God's kingdom is very much like a table. It's very much like a table and that 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 has a banquet, a feast at it that God invites us and tell, says to us I have a place for you at this table that there's no cover charge that there's no uh, fee to come in that he says Surrender yourself and come. And he says, You will enjoy that. You know, we sang this morning, even being able to proclaim that inheritance, being a child of God. What does that mean? And so, this morning, I believe what we see from this story is this prayer fixing our sight in three specific ways that Jesus reveals in this illustration. Because, you know, Jesus used miracles for several different reasons. You know, one thing Jesus used these miracles for was to validify, kind of reveal to the people who he was, that there was divinity there, that he wasn't just. Some old dirty man uh, that 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 came from a, a poor family, but that he was some he was something different. That he brought something different to the world. And not only that, but he used his miracles as parables. You know, a, a parable is basically like a story. And, and Jesus spoke in parables in, in a lot of different places throughout God's word. But he would use his miracles in a sense as parables to speak something to us. And, and despite what certain types of Christian uh, organizations would say, God's intentions for miracles were, for one, not guaranteed even if you had enough faith to believe. And they also were not meant to be these massive kind of crowd drawing things. You know, God's healing power isn't something that we're meant to, uh, you know, monetize as some Christian churches and people do. They use this idea of healing as the sense to draw in money and to, and to manipulate people and all this. But that's not what miracles were about. They were meant to communicate something to us about the character of God. And we see that in three ways this morning. Three things that God wants us to see more clearly in our lives that help us to navigate what it means to live as Christians or what God is inviting us into if you would say that you're on the outside of that circle or on, the, on the outside of that, that table. And so the first thing this morning that we would pray for God to help us see clearly in our lives is the people. The people And uh, in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, we see the beginning of this situation. It says when they're in this place and Jesus has just, he's just done a lot of different things. He's healed a deaf man. He feeds 4,000 people. Uh, the Pharisees come, these religious leaders. They're like, hey, do something really awesome so that we can say that we can acknowledge that who you are. I mean, if you if you're say who you say you are, then prove yourself. And Jesus is like, that ain't how it works. Like, I'm not here to prove anything to you. I'm here to do something for broken people. And so continuing on down, it says, you know, obviously word has gotten around about who Jesus is. And so we see there in verse 22, it says, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. You know, and and when I read that verse, it just really stuck out to me because I thought to myself, like how amazing it is or how amazing it would be to be surrounded by a group of people that have that type of urgency about the status of your life right? It says that, and we don't know who these people were to this blind man. We don't know if they were family or friends or, or just people that had been walking by him. Because remember, like we talked about last week, people with ailments like this, with blindness or some type of congenital issue or, or disease or whatever, they were viewed as cursed. And so most of the society saw them as absolutely not valuable, that they had no place. And they, they thought that there was something wrong with them. And so they... they Consider that I need to stay away from this person. And so whoever these people might have been to him, they had enough urgency within them to know that for this person, we need to get him somewhere where things can be done. And immediately we see them bring him to Jesus and that they not only brought him, but it says that they begged him. They begged him to touch him, to do something for him. You know, and and for me, you know, thinking about getting some clarity about the people in my life or the type of people in my life. You know, there's something to say about an urgency that the people around us carry for our physical well-being. But not only that, but for our spiritual well-being. Those are valuable people in our life. Those are valuable people that see us and that want good for us. That should be the type of people that we bring into our lives, right? Because all of us have had those kind of people like they benefit from our friendships. But they don't they don't we don't benefit from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you ever been in those situations where it takes so much out of you? And, and, and you find yourself, you know, because the question is, you know, the question that we talk about with each other as husband and wife and me and my kids. You know, we always talk about the type of people that we surround ourselves with needs to be the type of people that draw us into the best version of ourselves. Right. Because there's not always those kind of people in our life. You may work with people like that, that you think like this person sucks me dry. My life force is empty when I'm around them. You know, but so we have those type of people, but then we desperately need to be surrounded with people that have an urgency and a concern for us, like these people were for this man. Wanting better, people that 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 you know, because in, in a lot of ways a lot of people are pretty concerned about physical needs. You know, we're, we're usually pretty good. I mean, you don't have to be a Christian to want good for people. You know, to want to give somebody that needs food, food. Or somebody that needs money, money. Or let somebody stay at your house. If, you know, they had a house fire or something. Like, It's not hard to help meet people's physical needs. But remember, Jesus is using this as a parable. So we're also seeing a teaching about spiritual needs. And that's not always people's main concern in our lives. Some of the most valuable people in your life are the people who are concerned for your spiritual needs. Way more than your physical. Because there's a lot of people that will be concerned for your physical, but the people who truly love you, they will, they will be concerned for your physical or your spiritual needs. You know, and what I love about this is there's this idea, there's this sense at which these people knew Him. They knew His needs. You know, and for us, we, we're very... When it comes to our spiritual needs especially, we tend to be a little, a little prideful. Like, like, We don't want to acknowledge, even in our physical needs, we don't like to acknowledge what we need. We don't like to acknowledge where things fall short. We don't like to acknowledge where things just aren't making it or happening the way that they should, whether that's physical but then especially spiritual, like if we're struggling with understanding something about God, we're struggling to understand what it means to, to, to navigate Christian life. Like we don't like to talk about that, especially within the church. You know, I mean, we've all been in those churches where it's like, you feel like you've got to, you got to walk in and like you have it all together. Like the, I don't have any issues. Like my marriage has no issues. Your kids have no issues. My job has no issues. I don't curse. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Like, you know, you got to walk in. And it's like, I don't have, any of these things going on, like nothing that you would view as negative towards me is happening in my life. You know, I don't have any spiritual questions. You know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good, right? Like we just, we feel like that's the show at which we have to put on to walk into spaces like this. And in reality that is absolutely not what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be this place where we walk in and I'm able to sit down next to someone who has a true concern about my spiritual state and say, I had this go on in my life recently and I'm I'm struggling to understand why God let that happen like I'm having this sin that I'm just finding myself in and I'm having trouble seeing the pathway out of out of out of the prison that this thing has created for me that's what this is all supposed to be about and so the clarity we need is is the people that God puts around us that have that type of concern but not only that us being willing to make those needs known. Because, you know, I've always loved this idea that whatever we uncover in humility, God covers in healing. Whatever we uncover in our, our humility, being able to acknowledge like, I'm struggling with this spiritually. Like I'm struggling like, to understand something. or I'm struggling to create good habits of spiritual growth in my life. Man, when we begin to make those things known to people that God has placed around us, like that's what this is supposed to be, man, God will begin to cover that in a, in a way that promotes spiritual healing within us, that begins to give us that direction, like where we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be navigating this. And you know, in, uh, you know I was reading today in, in, in Proverbs and, and I love this idea in 20, uh, Proverbs 27, 5. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. You know, because sometimes we need that. More so, we need someone, you know, that word rebuke almost means like a confrontation in a sense. And, and a confrontation doesn't always have to be like an argument or somebody like condemning us or shaming us. But there is something to say about having people in our lives that will lean in and say, hey, look, you're 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 getting off track like I see things breaking down spiritually within you or you within your attitude or the way you're treating people, or the way you're acting like is there something going on? Because that is better. That is a more visible love than this hidden love of pretending like everything's OK when it's not. That's what we need from each other. Heck, that's what I need from people. That's why, you know, I need people in my life to be able to, because that's like I'm going to always make very clear. Jake does not have it all together. And so I need people like my family. I need people like the leadership of this church to step in alongside of me and say, man, what's what's up? Like, what's going on? Are you or Is there something you need to talk through? Like we need those people in our life placed around us because that's what friendship is. True spiritual friendship." You know, I love my man C.S. Lewis. He said this. He says, friendship is born at that moment when one, one person says to another, you too? I thought I was the only one. And that is friendship, letting us be able to acknowledge there's needs within us. There's direction. There's instruction. There's prayer that we need. There's there's moments that we need from other people. And, man, God calls us to see those people, to surround ourselves with those type of people that bring us to the best version of ourselves. That's what we need. If the people in our life are not drawing us to the best version of ourselves, because that's what these people wanted. They wanted to see this man restored to the best version of who God created him to be. And that's what the people around us spiritually can be for us. If we would allow, first off, allow them to be. But then second off, surround ourselves with those type of people that have that type of concern for us. So not only people. But the second thing would to have clarity on the process. Clarity on the process. Verses 23 and 24. Verse 23 says this. Sorry, I got sniffles this morning, so I'm going to be like sniffling every like 30 seconds. I apologize. Uh, It says, and he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. This is talking about Jesus taking this blind man and walking him out of the village. And so I always love these moments because this may seem like very insignificant. And when we read this, we just kind of blow by it and like, yeah, I mean, Jesus led him out of the village. But there's something unique about this. You know, Jesus was a high profile guy, right? Jesus was very important. Jesus could have very easily said, hey, uh, hey, guys, grab this guy. We're going to we're going to go this way. Y'all just bring him over here. Y'all I'll meet you over there in a little bit. Like I'll come. And I mean, you know, like like some kind of CEO or some kind of boss that, you know, he very easily could have done that. I mean, he's healing deaf people and he's he's turning a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fishes into feeding thousands of people. Like, I mean, he doesn't need to be doing anything. But the beauty of the process about how which God works with us is that the creator of the universe leans into where we are and he grabs us by our hands and he leads us where we need to be. There is not a single place in our life that we ever navigate alone when we're seeking after God. There is not a single situation that we step into as a a child of God that we ever navigate on our own. And there's no space that God will ever lead us, that he will leave us. But if God leads us there, he will continue to lead us through it. He will show us, he will educate us, he will reveal to us the truths about what he has. Because this is, every time I read a situation like this in the Bible, where God physically engages with someone and is a part of what's going on with them, man, it it, it just shakes me to my core to think about That idea that the creator of the universe takes that type of time with lowly old men. I mean, there's some pastors at some churches you can't even talk to because it's just so big and they're so important, right? But Jesus, man, he always had that time. He always had that time. I mean, last week he's running from people that are trying to stone him. And he just happens to be like running by some guy that's blind. And he stops and spits in the mud and wipes in his eyes and gives him sight and all these things. I mean, Jesus has time for his people. Like, especially the, the humble, the people who acknowledge that they have brokenness that needs to be fixed. That is the, the, the type of people that Jesus specifically is coming after. Those who acknowledge that they have need. And so for us to have a little bit of clarity of that process, to understand that this is God's plan for his people is to provide for them in a way that reveals things to them. I mean, specifically, even sight in a spiritual and physical sense. Isaiah 29, verse 18, this is a book of prophecy. He says, in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. I mean, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. These words are written about what he would do in this moment in Mark chapter 8. Isaiah 32, 3, another prophecy says, Then the eyes of those who uh, who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. So I love that. Not only will God give the sight, but their eyes will not be closed. If God leads you there, he will not leave you there. He will stay with us. And he will provide and he will continue to. That is part of the process. The participation of Christ is the revelation of God's love. And that's what his word shows us. That Christ participates with us. That is what this whole idea is about when we talk about during like the Christmas time. You know, we talk about Emmanuel, God with us. It's this idea that the creator of the universe left his throne outside of space and time to come and dwell among broken, sinful people and die a death that every single one of us deserves. But God took that on himself for us. That is what God does. That is who God is. That is what God provides to his people because he's involved. He participates with his people. You know, up to this point, Christ had done so much and he didn't know anybody anything. But he still led this man by the hand, touched his hands, walked him to where he needed to be. And I love that he walked him. It says uh, he led him out of the village. Listen, because Jesus is like, this isn't a show. Like, I'm not trying to impress anybody with the things that I can do. I'm, you know, and and that's what we have to understand about the way God works miracles and the things that he does. And in the process at which he he wants, you know, because especially in the church context, we love the numbers. We love to be able to see all these things and be able to say, well, you know what? We had this many baptized and this many saved and this many rededications, whatever that means. and, And all this stuff, you know, we love to be able to communicate that. But the process isn't about the numbers. It's not about that. It's about how God deals with individual people. And the problem is when we get more numbers focused, when we begin to get more results focused, we miss the process. We miss what God is intending to do with people. And, and, and we, we, we want things to be from here to here, but the way God works is differently. The way God works in our lives is differently. And we see that in this next situation, in the next thing here in verse 24, This is the unique thing about this miracle from any other miracle. In verse 24, it says, And he looked up, this is the man, he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. What's unique about this? That Jesus did something for this man and it didn't heal him completely. This is the only time when this happens. Why is this unique? You know, our first thought may would be, you know, has, has Jesus failed in some way? You know, is, is he lacking some sort of divinity? You know, is he lacking, is he lying about who he is and what he can do? But I believe in what I believe God's word says and, and, and what, what God's word is revealing to us is that there's two things here that we can learn from this within the context of the process. The first thing that I think we can see from here is that it shows us that this man hasn't always been blind. How do we know that? Because he acknowledges the fact that the people look like trees. To say that someone looks like trees means that he would have had to have seen trees at some point in his life. So at some point in the navigating of his life, something happened. Some kind of accident, some kind of disease, some kind of attack. Something happened in his life that that took his vision away from him, took his sight away. And you know, the more I thought about that, the more I believe that spiritually this describes us sometimes, right? That there's a lot of times, especially as Christians, that we see things a lot more clearly at some points than we do at other points in our life. You know, and, and there are times when, you know, especially as a young Christian and you're, you're gung-ho and you're running and you're gunning and you're involved and you're doing all these things and you're serving in the church and you're, 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 you're giving up time on the weekends and you're doing all these things. And then what happens? Something happens, right? Something happens. Somebody hurts you. Somebody disappoints you. Somebody shames you, somebody attacks you, you know, something happens and immediately your vision about what God has for you and where God intends for you to go, it all changes, right? You, don't, you begin to not see things the same way you used to see them. And it affects you, it affects the way you live spiritually, it affects the way you grow You know, and in a lot of ways, Jesus in this moment is referencing the spiritual state of the disciples even right before this in Mark chapter 18. What does He say to them? These are the people that are following them and that are His students. In Mark chapter 18, He says, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves of the, uh, for the 5,000 whom many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Like, He's like, have you forgotten because... The reality is in the process in which we live, us as Christians, there are things and moments in our life that happen that are as if we can't see anything. And these are people that have been walking and seeing the things Jesus has done. And Jesus asked them, have you lost sight of what I've done? Have you forgotten the things you just saw? And so for this man, Jesus engages with a man that at one point had sight. That at one point saw things clearly and something happened. This is not far off of where we find ourselves sometimes as Christians. That we lose sight of the beauty of who God is, about what He's done, about what He's doing, about the miracles He's performed in our lives. But within the process, within the process, there's, there's a work at which God is doing. And so the second thing we ask ourselves is why wasn't He healed instantly when other times that Jesus accomplished it That it not being a question of the validity of Jesus, but an opportunity to learn something about the character of Christ and how He works in His people and something in, in regards to His reveal... He's revealing the progressive nature of His work in our lives. That the work in our lives that God does is progressive, right? Contrary to maybe what you've been told in church before, that unfortunately, I don't know about you, but I remember me, and I've talked about this before... Day zero of Jake being a Christian, and day, you know, or the day before Jake became a Christian to, you know, day 10 after Jake became a Christian, there were a lot of the things that I dealt with that I still dealt with day 10, day 20, day 365. But I'm thankful that today, that even though there are ripple effects of sin and things that I dealt with, 20 years ago, that still affect me today, there are things progressively that have been shaved off, that I've held on to, that affected me, that God has progressively worked through. And, and so what's most important about how we navigate our Christian life isn't that we stand in a place where everything is magically completely different than it was before, but that at some point we can look back and see that things have changed to some extent. That there have been progressive changes that we could say that you could say about yourself. You know what? Thank God that even though I'm not perfect, I'm better than I was before. That I'm different than who I was then. That it may not be exactly where I want to be. That it may not be the person that I would hope to be right now, but I can look back and know that God is working on me. That I may still have, just like this man, I may still have some blurred vision on some things, but the fact that God has begun work in me is a promise that God will finish that work in me. Yeah, I read this quote this week and I loved it. I didn't write who, who said it. Apparently, I wasn't that worried about it. But I thought it was a great quote in regards to this. It says, When we are justified, or when we are made right before a holy God, when we are justified, it is though a doctor has just administered a sure and certain remedy for a fatal disease. Though the patient may still endure temporary struggle with a residual effects of his illness, the outcome is no longer in doubt. I love that. That... Even though there may still be residual or leftover effects of the disease that they experienced, the outcome is no longer in doubt. The outcome is no longer in question. The physician pronounces the patient cured, even though a rehabilitation process must be carried out. This is how God deals with us. We live our lives on this earth as Christians in a constant state of rehabilitation. God is working on us. He's restoring strength to us that we've lost over time. And even as Christians, when we've lost sight, you know, this man being blind, there would have been a point in his life when he would have been a lot more active than he was right now. And so you know what happens when you stop moving and you stop being active? Here's our nursing illustration for today. You know, it comes up pretty frequently for me. But when we stop moving, we begin to to have something called muscle wasting. And we start to lose muscle tone. We stop. We we lose some coordination. We lose focus. And so for this man, there's a lot of things that over time he was going to have to restore that maybe at some point he had. But day one, he was not going to have all those strengths then. Jesus gave him sight. He didn't all of a sudden give him muscle tone and strength and and the ability to be steady on his feet. He gave him sight. He said, this is step one. Step two is getting up. Step three is taking a walk. Step four is beginning to slowly integrate yourself into those spaces at which you once were. God works on us in process. And that's what he's invited us into. I love this. And if you have somewhere to write these two verses down, please write these down. Proverbs 4.18. It says this. It says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Shines brighter and brighter until full day. And then Philippians 1.6. I reference this one a lot. This is one of my favorite ones. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Church, we don't have to feel discouraged if we feel incomplete. We are supposed to be incomplete because we are called to be dependent for our completion. Not on ourselves, but on God. Church, the perfect work of God is progressive, but it only happens by the hand of God. And that has to be the source at which we go. And so not only do we need clarity on the people in the process, but then the last thing is this, the purpose. Why 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 do we even need this to happen? Why does God even do this in our lives? And I love how this happens in verse 25. It says that he opened his eyes and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. The purpose is personal restoration. God sees fit to do a work in us. God sees fit to do a work in you. No matter where you've been or what you've done, the doubts you come in here with or the questions you have, God sees fit to establish personal restoration and redemption in each and every one of us. Not, Not based on our status, but based on who He is and His grace. That is who God is. And not only that that he sees fit to bring us to a state of a better state of living and what we need and it may not always be what we want but God will always bring us to the place at which to experience what we need and then the last thing is this in verse 26 he says that he sent him home he sent him to his home and he said specifically do not even enter the village Church, the thing we need to understand is that the purpose of clarity is for the people nearest to me. The purpose of the clarity at which God gives us. Even though there are moments, there are callings for us to go to the crowd. But I love, I love how Jesus says this. Listen, don't even go to the city. Don't even go to the crowds, but go home. Go home. Because what he, what's going to happen is when he goes home, those people at his home are going to acknowledge and recognize that there's something different about him. And in that, he's going to have an opportunity to begin to talk about this person. He's going to talk about this process. He's going to talk about these people. He's going to share all of these things that God has done with him, with the people closest to him in his home. Church, our, our, our biggest responsibility, more so than the crowds, is the people nearest to us. Your children, your spouses, the people within your circle of influence. Maybe it's people you work with 8 to 12 hours a day that, that, that are your home. That that's the people nearest to you. Then God tells us in the experience that we have with Him and who He is, go home. Go to them. Let them see you. Let them hear from you. Let them know because our children, they desperately need it. Our spouses, they desperately need to hear that from us. They need to know about this purpose. They need to know about these people. They need to know about the process. Jesus didn't tell him to run to the crowds. He pointed him to his home. Go to your home. Church, the most important place we share Christ is in our homes. And the place at which we are with the people that we are nearest to. God gives us sight to send us, not to settle us, not to make us comfortable where we are, but to encourage us to live out a way we never thought we could. You know, and, and, and as the worship team comes up, and we'll end with a moment of praise and worship this morning. But, you know, all of the miracles that Mark mentions, a lot of them come with this same uh, indication. In Mark chapter 2, verse 11, Jesus says, I say to you, rise to a man who is crippled. He says, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Let them see you changed. Let them see what God's done in your life. In Mark chapter 5, verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your diseases. He says, go, go home. Mark chapter 10, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on his way. Church, there's a purpose at which God works in us, and it's not just to make us feel better about ourselves. It's not just to check off some kind of cultural checklist so that we can tell people that we've gone to church or that we claim to be Christians. No, God's. Gives us sight to send us. He gives us clarity about who He is. And whether that's a little bit of information or a lot of information, God is progressively working through it. So there's three prayers that I want us to pray this morning and that I'd ask you as we pray about what Brother Garen shared with us this morning, this vision of surrender. That we pray in this way with these three things this morning and throughout the rest of our week. The first thing being This. And we would pray that God would let us see people, the people that He is using in our lives to draw us nearer to Him for a clearer vision of who He is. That God would show us who are those people in my life that have a concern about my spiritual state? God, let me help me to cultivate those relationships, not to separate myself from the people that, that don't, but to help me see these people that are working in my life, revealing things to me in my life. Let me surrender in that regard. And the second thing being this, let us step into a walk confidently in the process that he's begun in us, that we would pray, God, give me confidence, give me confidence to walk obediently in the past that you've called me to, because I know not on my own ability, but the process in which you're working in my life, that you're going to finish it. That like a doctor that's given a patient a cure for disease, even though he needs rehabilitation, rehabilitation, the outcome is sure that you are cured, even if you're navigating lingering sicknesses. And then the last thing is this, that we would pray, God, let us live out the purpose we've been invited to participate in. That we would lean into our homes relationships with the people closest to us that we spend the most time with and we would share Christ with them, that we would have conversations, that we would make our needs spiritually and physically known, let people know what we're dealing with, what we need desperately in our life and to know that it is Christ, that it is Christ. So church, if you would, could you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray remembering these three things that we'll pray out loud together, that you'll pray together at home, that you'll pray together in your personal time, that we'll pray together here this morning. That God would just give us clarity and fix our sight. Fix our sight. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the truths of your word. God, we thank you that you see fit to lean into our life to engage and interact with us in a way that we've never known before. And Father God, first off, if there's anyone here with questions, doubts, struggles that is keeping them from full surrender, Father God, I pray that you would give them the confidence to ask questions, Father God, to, to make your concerns known. Maybe it's hurts. Maybe it's other things that have taken their taken them their vision of who you are or in, in acted the way that they see your people or how you work in this world. Father God, I pray that you would bring clarity. there. God, and you tell us. God, if any would believe that you save us. God, you save us from our brokenness. You save us from, from the eternal separation from you and who you are. And Father God, I just pray this morning that you would just give confidence and take those steps of questions and obedience. And Father God, for Christians this morning, I pray we make these three prayer requests known. God, let us see the people you've surrounded us with that are drawing us near to you. God, let us see the process at which you've started in us and have confidence that you'll finish it and supply us with the strength we need to carry on. And Lord, lastly, Lord, lastly, give us the vision to see the purpose at which you do these things in our life. For the betterment of our home, for the betterment of the people we interact with and the community. God, just reveal to us these truths and how you intend to work. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' holy name.